0: Well, good morning to you. It is an honor to be here with you. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9 this morning, Mark chapter 9. I am Griff Henderson, and I have the privilege of working with Oklahoma Baptist in northwest Oklahoma, 365 churches from east side of Oklahoma County to Ponca City to El Reno, all the way up to the Mountain Time Zone in, in Boise City, and, and uh, it's a joy to, joy to be here with you. I know you're blessed to have Pastor Joe be with you for um, for many months, and what a great love and appreciation he has for you, and I'm honored to be here. I was here with you a little bit over a year ago, right, when you started the process of searching for a new a new pastor, and I'm sure you remember that message clearly and well and haven't forgot one bit of it, so I'm not going to preach that message today to you uh, on, on that, but I, I do want to share a message with you that I, I really believe God has led me to share. And please know that we as Oklahoma Baptists, and that means many churches are, are praying for you and really truly believe that the best is yet to come. Mark chapter 9. The book of Mark was written by John Mark. And I must stop there a second. Remember, this is the guy who, who dis, didn't impress Paul very much on the missionary journey, and in a sense, he got booted out of there and had to be restored by Barnabas. And so really the first point of even the message is to realize, man, we've had those times in our life that we haven't been what God's wanted us to be or other people hasn't wanted us to be. But be encouraged. God still uses us, right? He doesn't give up on us. He he chose John Mark to to write a book. In all likelihood, he heard the story that Peter had told, the many messages that Peter had told, and he shares this story aiming at the Gentiles. Today's message is not a name-it-and-claim-it message, okay? If you understand that, great. But today's message is a message to remind us What big, bold faith we can have in our big, bold God. So there's a large crowd, and there are disciples of Jesus, and Peter, James, and John, and Jesus had just came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and what a beautiful story that is. And they showed up in verse 14 of Mark chapter 9, and the Bible says this, "...when they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak." Whenever it seizes him, it it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him, Jesus asked his father. The father replied, from childhood. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Let's pray. Take a moment right now. The best that you know how to just ask God to speak to you. Think of somebody else in this great church. They're here today or they're not here right now. Just take a moment to pray for them. And I'd be honored if you'd pray that I would share these words in the way that God wants me to share them. God, we are thankful today that we're in your house of worship. But God, I pray that we leave here different people God, use me if you choose, but God, please speak. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Thank you for our salvation. Amen. So this was a, a dramatic time. They just came back down, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, from the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and they showed up back in, in the town. And, and the Bible says that they came to the disciples. And verse 14 said they saw a large crowd around with them and scribes disputing with them. So there's this tension going on in the, in the area. And the whole crowd saw him. They were amazed. Hey, there's this Jesus guy. And they ran back to him Again, there there was a lot of stuff going on. And Jesus asked him, what are you arguing with him about? Well, first thing I want to point out to us today, the Bible says when they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them. So there was two different types of people. There were those who were all-in followers of Jesus Christ, the disciples who were there. Did they still have struggles? We know the answer to that to be yes. Did they still sin? We know the answer to that to be yes. Did they still desire to move forward in their life following Jesus? We know the answer to that to be yes. But then there also were these people that looked just like the disciples. They were also dressed in, in, in gowns and sandals, and their hair was similar, and, and, and they, they acted the same. They might have even chosen to be for the same football team, some on the crowd, and some, some as disciples. But there was a difference. The Bible says there were people who were disciples, and there were people who was a part of the crowd. People who are part of the crowd are really interested in Jesus. They find him even to be warm and compelling. Uh, They at times would even like to show up, and, and at times they even say, hey, I want to get closer to this guy. But the disciples are all in followers of Jesus Christ. Did I say they were without sin? No, right? We know that to be not to be true. We know we're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. But with the story of your life, throughout your life, and let me go right now. Your life right now, are you an all-in follower of Christ? Oh, age 10, I became a believer in Christ Jesus, and, and I've been saved ever since. I believe once you're truly saved, you're saved forever. The Bible teaches us that. And at age 20, I can, I can remember kneeling at an altar of, uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Shawnee, Oklahoma, after I'd already committed my life to ministry. And I remember saying, This is what it means to follow Jesus. God was compelling me to understand this is what it means. I don't think I was saved then, but I I believe God was continually to sanctify me and, and mature me. And may I tell you, it has not been a rocket ship going forward in sanctification. It has been God continually to work in my life and in your life. Where are you at right now? Would you say... Everything that I do filters through Jesus. Some of you are coffee lovers, okay? I pray for you, those who are, but, but you're coffee lovers. And you know, you have that filter that, that allows whatever you enjoy about that yucky-tasting coffee to come, to come through. But that filter, everything goes through the filter first. What is filtering your life right now? How do you make decisions? How do you make choices? What do you get excited about? Are you filtering everything through Jesus? First point of that is to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way we can be saved. And if you're here today and you say, Man, I've been a part of this crowd at First Baptist Enid for a long time, or I just started coming here. Awesome! Jesus was so glad the crowd was there. We are too. But realize being part of the crowd isn't going to get you to Jesus. It's by making him the king and Lord and the Lord of your life. Verse 14 and 15 says the whole crowd. And and then verse 17, there's this father. And And this father says, shouts out at the crowd and says, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. So first of all, let's give this father some credit. This father showed up and he said, hey, I was looking for you, Jesus. I couldn't find you. So I went to your disciples. I need some help. My son has had a problem. My son has something that seizes him and he throws it and foams and grinds his teeth. Let's give the father some credit. He even went to the disciples and said, hey, can you help me? get through this situation. Can you disciples help me? And the Bible says that they couldn't. And and we might say, well, of course they couldn't. But that's really not true because even if you just look back a few chapters, go back to Mark 6 real quick. See, in New Testament days, God had given power to, to others in miraculous ways. Mark 6, verse 12 and 13 says, so they, meaning the disciples, went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. So this father was not just going on some crazy thing like, I'm going to go to these guys. No, there had been a history there that had these disciples had healed people. But this time he says to Jesus, he says, I asked your disciples to heal them, but, but they couldn't. We give the Father some credit here, man. He, he was going to Jesus. He was asking for help. He understood that God, Jesus, could do something different in his life. And then Jesus responds, not in a sinful way, because he knows he was not that he was a man without sin. He was perfect, but he he calls out the disciples. He doesn't call out the crowd. He calls out the disciples here in verse 19. He says, You unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And we might think he's talking to the crowd, but that is absolutely not true. He is calling out those who are all in disciples, who are following, who are still being sanctified. Jesus was calling to a, a call of conviction to these disciples. But isn't it interesting? He just calls them out. But he doesn't give up on those disciples. Now, if you're going to choose to amen this morning, I'm going to give you one right now to amen about. Are you ready? You want to practice an amen before I say it, or you want to go ahead? Okay, amen? Okay, here we go. And then you need another one. Aren't you thankful that when we do something that lets God down, and in God's sovereignty, He still loves us and cares for us, but we know it's not right. And we know that the Holy Spirit convicts us, right? We know that, that we've done wrong, and, and we're called out that we've done wrong. Aren't you glad God's not done with us? All right, look what I'm going to tell Pastor Joe tomorrow, man. Look look at that, okay? Yeah, aren't you glad he's not done with this? That's exactly what he's saying here. He's calling out the disciples, saying, you unbelieving generation. But we know he doesn't give up on them. And he keeps working in their life, and he keeps working in our life. He was disappointed but not done with. And may I encourage you to know that there are times that we continue to not follow jesus and god convicts us but he's not done with us yet one of the reasons i believe that these disciples couldn't heal jesus is they hadn't been around jesus out of sight out of mind jesus had been at the mount of transfiguration Uh, maybe they didn't feel the confidence but whatever it is they could not heal this man heal this boy Jesus says, bring the boy to me. So, verse 20. So they brought the boy to him. They brought the boy to Jesus. When the Spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked, How long has this been happening to him? Isn't it true just because Jesus is in our life that Jesus is around us, he lives within us? Isn't it true that there are still problems in our life? Still problems in in our world? There's still problems in your family, my family. There's still problems in, in your church and my church. There's still problems in our nation and your nation, our nation. We know that to be true. Even when Jesus says, Bring the boy to me, there were still problems even when Jesus was coming close to this boy. This is the same father, do you remember? He said, I brought my son to you, and I couldn't find you, and I went to the disciples. I, 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 he did some good things. He's coming to Jesus. He's seeking Jesus. He sees his son once again go into this struggle. It looks much like epilepsy or seizure, but we know the Bible says there was demons and wickedness going on there too. Jesus says, how long has has this been happening to him? The same father said, I've been looking for you. I brought him to the disciples. Now says this. He saw it again, and he says, from childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. And now the father says this. But... If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, let me draw the difference to us, friends. Earlier in this story, he came looking for Jesus, and then he went to the disciples and said, heal my son. And then he said, hey, Jesus, here you are. Please heal my son. And then the boy went into the problem again. And the father saw his son going through all the struggle and all the things again. And Jesus asked how long. And now all the man can get out of his mouth is this. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. It's a roller coaster ride of life, isn't it? We have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with us, and we know what God can do, and then we get hit with problem after problem after problem over and over again. Jesus said to the man in verse 23, If you can... I don't really know the exact tone. I've tried to figure out the exact tone of of Jesus calling this man out. It, it wasn't a call, once again, that Jesus sinned. He wasn't mocking the man. Maybe it was a co- convicting tone of saying, Hey, do you realize what you're saying? You don't really believe. Maybe it was a tone of reminder Are you really saying, if you can? Maybe it was an encouraging tone to say, Hey, I know what you said, but obviously you don't mean that. I think it can be all all of those things. But Jesus asked the man, he says, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. May I encourage us to know today, if we are all in believers in Jesus Christ, that even our faith will waver at times. We go through the waves of the sea. We go through crisis situations. There's times in our life that, that we utter out of my mouth, if you can do anything, or if you can, or if you, Jesus, or, or just, just the word if. We've seen that same thing over and over again. If. So here we go. Jesus, if you can heal my marriage, if you can heal my children, if you can heal my church, if you can heal my health, if you can heal our nation. If you can heal my addiction, if you can heal my emotional struggle, if you can heal my... And let's hear what Jesus says to us, if you can. Encouraging us, convicting us, reminding us that everything is possible through Jesus. Several years ago, I was working on my doctorate through Midwestern Seminary, and I, and I took this this class on, frankly, getting older. What my favorite class to take, okay. Okay, I, I changed my first number here in a couple months and and uh, that the word that number 6 is going to kind of getting me a little bit. You know some of you are saying 6 is nothing, okay? I, I, you can handle that great and that's awesome, but I remember one thing about that class John. I hope that encourages. One thing that we remember, okay? And here it is. They said the late, the teacher said this. Said, "You know, sometimes we we yearn back to our younger days and we remember wow, raising our children or, or we remember when we could go hiking a, at full speed, or, or remember when we were faster, or, or our mind would think clearer, and, and we yearn for those things. But she said, the reason we struggle so much with the future is we don't know what it looks like yet. We don't have those memories. We know the things that we no longer have, but we don't know the things that we will have. I was telling some fellow grandparents not long ago that, or just this morning is like, man, you act crazy around your grandkids. You do things you never would do. And, and I didn't know that when I was a parent. I'd watch my parents go, man, they're acting weird. Man, they're acting crazy. And now I get it. But I couldn't experience that because I didn't know the future. We, we, we go back to say, this is what it used to be. And, and may I be honest with you here? Your church has had a great history A great story. Pastor Keith Miller is one of my closest friends. And we're blessed. And we came here when we were in the 20s years ago. And and been going through this time. And it's easy to look back on and say, if we could just be like we used to be. I'm there with you. I understand. If I could just dunk the basketball one more time. If I could just do this one more time. what we don't know is what the future looks like and that's where faith comes in right we don't go back to what we know we go back to who we know and this man had some kind of faith in Jesus he said I brought my son to you I brought him to the disciples and then he sees it again and all he can get out of his mouth is an honest statement I don't think it's a great statement. I'm not bragging on the guy. But he he was honest. And he says in verse 24, Jesus says in verse 23, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And look at verse 24. If you underline anything in your Bible, maybe this is a verse to underline. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe! help my unbelief i do believe jesus but i struggle with believing i struggle with believing jesus but i really do believe and then he says help my unbelief jesus please give me more faith he was honest with god we got to give him great credit He didn't put the mask on and and fake it. He said, yes, Lord, I do believe. I do believe you can heal my marriage. I do believe you can heal my family. I do believe you can heal my church. I do believe you can heal my nation. I do believe. But God, man, I don't know if you can heal my family. I don't know if you can heal my church. I don't know if you can heal my, my nation. I don't know that. Help my unbelief. How are we saved? Can I remind us? Do we do one thing at all to gain our salvation? Absolutely not. We receive the gift of salvation. And what do we do here by faith? We can't say, I'm gonna hunker down and have more faith, and I'm gonna give it all to God. I'm gonna work hard to having more faith. Yeah, we give it all we have. But he goes to the God that gives faith and says, God, I need more faith. This is big. This is huge. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Many times as believers, we feel like, oh, if I do something like that, I'm really faking it. Okay, this big bold prayers for miraculous healing or or miraculous things. You know, if I do that, I I sound like I'm a hypocrite, because down deep I don't know if I believe. And can I, I encourage you? Don't fake it. Faith it. Don't fake it. Don't just say the words. Faith it. God, this is all I got. I don't see you healing my children. I can't comprehend how you can. I don't, I don't see how my husband can be saved. I've prayed for him for years. I don't see how my wandering uh, um, husband is, is going to come home. I don't see how this is going to work out. I don't see how our nation is going to be healed. God, I don't but I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to faith it because I believe in you, God. I believe you can do all things. What does Hebrews 11, 1 says? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. How are we saved? We don't see it. How do we press on growing in Christ, God? This is, this is wild and crazy and... And I almost am embarrassed saying it, but I'm not going to fake it, God, because I believe you can do all things. You hold the stars in the the sky, you you brought your son into the womb of, of, of Mary. Don't fake it, faith it. God, this is all I got. I do believe. Help my unbelief, grow my unbelief. I do believe. I love Hebrews, and Hebrews over and over again tells us a story of Jesus who is greater than, and greater than, and greater than, and and then we know Paul in in Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to put on the full armor of God, and do you know that story? He says, put on the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith, and the the helmet of salvation, and... Put on the shield of faith. Most days of my life, many days of my life, I put on the full armor of God. God today, I'm clothed in you already, but I want to intentionally put them on. So, Pastor Nick, I need you a second, buddy. You you came up here. Hurry. Run up here really quick. Everybody give Nick a hand real quick, would you please? Okay. So, let me show you something. Nick, stand right here. Put your Bible down. Even though I'm glad you're carrying your Bible, that's always a good thing for a youth pastor to have, okay? And so, in, in New Testament days, the shield of faith, we know that the soldiers would, would have this shield. Some shields were long, other shields would cover. We know the shields that we would, that would hold were in all likelihood made of some kind of leather with water as the fiery darts came in. And many times they would line up side by side. Sometimes, though, they would make it all a bowl, like somebody could even hide under shields, covering the shields are used for a lot of things. But, but look at this. I think this is a great story for the church. We, as First Baptist Church of, of, of Enid, we have the shield of faith. It is ours as believers. And we hold that shield in front of us. So here you go, Nick. of boy. Good job, okay? We hold that shield in, in front of us. And if that fiery dart that that gentleman right here shoots at me, my... Yeah, you looked, you enjoyed that, didn't you? I can tell. Okay, my, um, my shield caught that, okay? That was beautiful. These precious great adults over here to my left shot it. My, my shield would... Would protect me, that's good. But if old John over here, you know those are worship pastors, you gotta watch him, right? If that worship pastor is aiming at me, point that point that arrow, John, come on here, okay? He's pointing that and he's aiming at me and he shoots, whose shield might protect me? Nick's thank you. <laughs> and look, if over here this person is shooting at Nick. Whose shield might protect him? Me. Thank you. Boy, that was well done. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Can I make sure you understand something? My faith cannot save you. My, My faith in wanting my children or my family or my church... To be saved cannot save me. I cannot put my salvation on somebody else. I cannot. But there is something in this pastor's opinion that says when, when believers stand arm in arm with the shield of faith next to them and they say, All I've got is this shield of faith. Yes, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. There is something about the person next to me's faith that is going to help me. It's not primary. Not the most important thing, but when you pray over your grandchildren or you pray over your children or you pray over your church over and over again, we stand together in faith. That shield of faith is even more powerful. Right now, your church doesn't have a pastor, but we know that God God has that pastor. Pastor Nick and others are ministering well in this this church. You know that's going to happen. And maybe all you can utter right now is, yes, Lord, I do believe. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Don't fake it, but faith it. Yes, Lord, I do believe you can heal our nation. I do believe, but God, help my unbelief. And look at the response. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, verse 25, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter into him again. And it's my prayer when you pray for something, you say, yes, Lord, I do believe that immediately it comes, tr- comes true. But I do know this. God's in control. And he hears our requests, the best we have to offer us offer him and God still is in the business of doing things that we cannot imagine. John, I remember years ago somebody asked me to pray this bold prayer for them and I said, okay, I'll pray and I prayed for them. And I got through praying and walked off and honestly thought, well yeah, God just God just doesn't really do those kind of things anymore. And I got hit by the Holy Spirit. And said, who do you think you are? So I've made a conviction in my life that when I have opportunity to pray for somebody, I'll pray for them right there. And, and, and I'm going to pray the biggest, boldest, most outlandish prayer I know to pray. And I'm going to say, God, I'm not faking it, but I'm facing it. And God, I know you can do all things because I still have oxygen to breathe and a mind to think. And I don't even understand how all that works I still believe God, and I still need your salvation. I still need more faith, but I'm going to believe you can do all things. So it was a Tuesday around 10 years ago. As a pastor of a church, my hardest day of the week was Tuesdays. Maybe I'm strange. It was just Tuesday. Monday was my clean up after Sunday day, take care of things, finish up, check on gas, check on people. Tuesday was my oh, it's time to start over day. <laughs> Wednesday's coming, Sunday Sunday's coming. And I struggled with Wednesday uh, with Tuesday. I was tired. One Tuesday afternoon, I was at Waterloo Road and it didn't seem like any of the other staff was there but a couple couple of ladies in the office and it was about 2.30, and I was about to get out of there. 3 o'clock comes, and I get this, this message from Rebecca, our, our secretary. He says, hey, Griff, I'm sorry to bother you, but there's this guy that's broken down on, on I-35, which was a mile from Waterloo Road Baptist. and He said he got off the interstate. He says he has two kids in his car, and it's, he has a flat tire, and, and um, I don't know what to do. And I thought, no. (laughs) I know. Preachers don't think that way. No. Um, Well, have you did it? Well, yeah, I tried this and this. Okay. I said, well, Rebecca, would you call a couple tire places? They gave us number of the tire. A couple tire places, a couple. I'll call a couple. We all called. You find out, no, they don't have that. I don't have that. Okay, let me try these used tire places. No, it's... Oh. Okay, um, I'm gonna get my car I, and go down there. I'll probably take them to motel, help them, and and um, pity party deluxe for me. Man, I was ready to go home. So, Lord, just just help me as I go here. Best I had to offer, or or offer them. I get up, open my door. And there was Jim Riggs, 70-year-old Jim Riggs. Hey, Jim, what are you doing? Well, I was supposed to go out visiting with you last night, and I just forgot. Well, that's okay. I know. Yeah, that's okay. No, I felt really bad. No, that's okay. I'm walking. Hey, is there is there anything I can do for you, Pastor? <laughs> well, Jim, if you have a 185, 75, da-da-da-da-da, whatever the tire number was it, it, with you, yeah, you could do something for me. Well, you know, there's been this tire in the back of my pickup for six months. My kids tell me to get rid of it. Hmm. It seems like that's the right number. Sure, Jim, sure. Let's go. Let's go look. We go out there. Jim hops up in the bed. He was still in good shape, okay? I could barely lift my knee, but he hops up there. He pulls it over there. He lays it down. He gets out. I stand before you for the glory of God. We look at those numbers. It was that tire. People who saw me dancing around the parking lot thought that the Pentecostal pastor was there at Waterloo Road Baptist Church. Glory be to God. A man pulled up who forgot visitation the night before. Asked me if he could do anything. He had left a tire in the back of his truck after his kids had been bugging him about it. It just happened to be the number of that of that tire who needed who was kneaded down with two little kids. We went down, we looked at the tire, it was the right size. We took it to a mounting. Shop. We went back, we shared with them, shared the gospel with them, um, gave them some food. They went off on their way. I thanked Jim, and I got in my car and said, yes, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. May we not forget what God can do. Our role isn't to talk them into it. Our role is to be honest and people of faith and believe that, God, you can do bigger, greater, more miraculous things than we can imagine. Don't be ashamed if you're at the place of saying, all I can do right now is say, yes, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. But ask, don't be ashamed of that, but ask God to change you and to allow you to believe more because the same God that saves us is the same God that still is in the work of doing miraculous things. Let's pray. In just a moment, John's going to lead us in a, in a song of worship. Nick's going to be standing here at the front. And Can I urge you to come up these steps and pray, or pray where you're at, or sing boldly, or join this church, or most of all, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can I urge you to do what God's called you to do? Maybe you're on your last straw and all you can say is, Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Don't fake it, but faith it. The same God that raised up Christ Jesus from the grave is the same God that can do all things. And if I go down being called a crazy man of faith for God, I'll take that as a wonderful title. Thank you for doing what God's called you to do. My prayer is that you're not part of the crowd, that you're part of being a serious follower, of disciple of Jesus Christ. Nick's going to come. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. God, I pray that you will bless this invitation. May we be people of faith, and God, help our unbelief. God, do something greater than we can imagine so we can give you the glory, not us. In your name we pray, amen thing together.